0: Happy homecoming! Good to see you all this morning. Thank you for taking time to join us. Uh, I know all of you have busy schedules and probably commitments at other places, but you've chosen to be here today at Community Baptist Church. And on behalf of our church family, I just want to say welcome, and it's good to see you. Welcome home to many of you. I look around and see faces I haven't seen in a while, and uh, we are thankful that you are here with us today. And uh, glad you've you've taken this time. We got some great food to follow. Got some good spiritual food coming up in just a moment. So uh, don't go anywhere. Hang tight. And uh, we again say thank you for being a part of this special day. Um, I want to introduce our speaker this morning. And uh, he goes. He and I go back. Uh, his family, our family. His wife, my wife. We we went to college together. Uh, go back, I guess, 20 years now. And uh, went to Piedmont. At the time we attended, it was Bible. They changed it to Baptist. Now it's Piedmont International University. And uh, they changed names about as much as I change Halloween costumes. But uh, anyway, it's a great school. And it's a place where he and I both uh, got educated in the Word of God. Pastor Dean also, graduate from there. Many others, I think, uh, that have been through this church family also have been impacted uh, by the ministry of Piedmont. And uh, that's where we first formed our relationship, Friendship. And that's maintained over the years. I can tell you as a pastor, it's vital that I have brothers in Christ who understand the burdens uh, that pastors carry. And uh, our guest speaker today, Mr. Mark Stugelmeyer, is a friend and a pastor that I've been able to call on over the last 20 years. Share my burdens. Pray with me. He's also a guy that some of you didn't know he had such an impact in my life. He's the one who helped me with catchphrases. You'll hear me say oftentimes, like, what's shaking double cheese bacon? Uh, I have to give the author credit. That is, that is his, his saying that I love so much, I, I adopted. Um, a lot of things that uh, he has uh, taught me through friendship and, and pastoral ministry over the years, and, and I'm very grateful for those times. He's also, uh, I kind of hold a little bitterness in my heart towards him, because uh, he took the MVP title at the uh, last uh, 2016 Winter Bowl Classic flag football tournament. Those, some of you will remember him with the touchdown catch that won the game that year. Uh, I'm still a little upset about it. That's what cost me my torn ACL. And I've been paying for, I don't know, three years now. Um, but, hey, I'm going to invite him back for the rematch, Lord willing. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm not Yeah, Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, yeah. I think I might have even forgotten it by now, Randall. It's not. But he is a good friend, guys, and uh, he, he's... Um, the thing i i appreciate about him most is he a man, he's a man who rightly divides the word of truth uh, he stands firm on conviction he stands firm on the authority of god's word and we need more men like that in our pulpit we need more men who are willing to not compromise in a day where there's a lot of compromise going on not only in the world but even in the church and so i welcome this morning my good friend and uh, I hope you will welcome him as well. Pastor Mark Stugemeyer.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> hurting. Ugh. As soon as you left the uh, the field. He said, did anybody else feel like pastor was kind of milking that just a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, those were his words from your previous youth pastor. So uh, I don't know how your you new one feels about it. But uh, anyway, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, uh, we met at Piedmont about 20 years ago during a summer class. I think it was biology. And uh, you started cracking jokes on cells and all kinds of things. I thought that was funny, and I tried to get in on it, and they just didn't think it was all that much funny. But, uh, but we had a good time that summer, and uh, um, enjoyed that, and enjoyed his friendship. And I got to be honest with you, you got to be careful what you say about people uh, around your children, because they remember, they hear things. Uh, Catherine, the other day, she, uh, we got here, and she went up to Pastor Jeremy and said, uh, Pastor Jeremy, I want to give you this 10 bucks. And he said, uh, Catherine, I, I, can't, I can't take that 10 dollars from you. She said, uh, Pastor Jeremy, I want you to take it. I really want you to take this $10. I can't take it, sweetheart. You, you just got to, Pastor Jeremy, please, please take the $10. I want you to take this $10. He said, all right, sweetie. He said, um, I'll take the $10, but what, what is driving you to give me that $10 bill? She said, Pastor Jeremy, my daddy said, you're the poorest preacher in town. <laughs> so got to be careful what you say around your children. It comes back to haunt you. I'm sorry that that didn't actually happen that I may have said that but my children didn't hear it but uh oh it's good to be here you got to be you know the last time we were together i think he had come up i think you did a bible conference or something missions conference at our church he was putting pictures of me uh, up on the screen with snowballs in my eyes and You know, when he threw one at me at Piedmont, so I had to get back at him just a little bit uh, this morning. But he is a good man. Uh, I love him and his wife and his family. They're good people. You guys have a good pastor. He loves the Lord. He's consistent. And uh, it's always exciting when we go and and visit other churches um, and fill the pulpit to hear pastors brag on their congregation, how much they love them and and appreciate them. And you guys have honored your pastor, and I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for doing that. God will honor a congregation who honors their pastor. And uh, you guys uh, have been bragged upon behind the scenes, and uh, and I appreciate that. It is encouraging to see God's people uh, taking care of God's man and respecting him and honoring him uh, in the ways that you guys uh, do. Would you turn with me this morning to Joshua chapter 23? Joshua chapter 23 this morning. And uh, I want to share some thoughts with you out of the Word of God. Um, Joshua, here in chapters 23 and 24, is coming near the end of his life. And as any good shepherd, as any good pastor, as any good leader, he wants to tell his congregation the importance of serving God. The importance of separating from the world and the importance of serving God. I think about that and I think about 3 John chapter 1, if you will, and verse 4, where John says, It brings me great joy to see my children walking in the truth. And any good pastor, any good leader is going to desire for his people, for his His congregation to be serving God. And so Joshua comes to the end of his life and he's going to share two messages with the people of Israel. One is found in Joshua chapter 23 dealing with separation. And the other message is found in Joshua chapter 24 dealing with how to serve God with all your heart. And I want to share those messages with you this morning. Let me give you a quick rundown of the book of Joshua. It's got to be quick because we've got a limited amount of time. We've got food that's being prepared. But in Joshua chapters 1 through 5, you'll find in those particular chapters, uh, Joshua and the people of Israel entering into the promised land. In chapters 6 through 12, you'll see the conquest as they're beginning to root out the people, uh, the pagans that are inside uh, the tribes, the people groups that are there, and the people that God commanded them to conquer and to root out. In chapters 13 through 22, you see the different tribes of Israel are being distributed to the different lands. And so that's what's beginning to take place. And so Joshua's a warrior, he's a leader, and he's coming to the end of his life and he wants to share with his people some words of encouragement, some words of warning, some words of caution. he begins to share those thoughts with him. Now let me make this clear as well as we look at Joshua 23 and 24. And I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing this message, which Dr. Bowman used to say all the time at Piedmont. The church is not Israel, and Israel is not the church. So remember that. God gave Israel the covenant. He made a covenant with them that if you will serve me and me alone, I will bless you. I'll bless you materially. I'll bless you spiritually. I'll bless you nationally. But if you turn your back on me and you begin to worship other gods and you don't follow my law, there's going to be a consequence. So there's a covenant. God's not going to break the covenant, but God's people will constantly break the covenant. Just read uh, the book of Judges and you'll see a spiral effect every single time. They'll serve God. They'll break away in fellowship with God, begin to serve other gods. God's, uh, God will then um, chastise them. They'll repent and then they'll return and over and over and over again. So Joshua understands the heart of man. He understands how easy it is for us to flee the one that we love. And so he's sharing that thought with them. But remember, as we go through these verses, the church is not Israel and Israel is not the church. We don't have a covenant, we don't have the Old Testament covenant uh, per se, as we, Israel did. But I think by application, we can draw from uh, these verses found in these two chapters in Joshua 23 and Joshua chapter 24. Let me read some verses, uh, the first part of Joshua chapter 23 when you're hearing this morning. And it came to pass, a long time after that the Lord had given rest to Israel from all of their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all of Israel, and for their elders, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age, and have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all the nations because of you. For the Lord your God is He that has fought for you. Behold, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain, to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan, with all the nations that have been cut off, even to the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, He shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight, and you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. Be you therefore very courageous to keep all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefore to the right hand or to the left, that you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourself to them, but cleave to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. Let's open again this morning in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for men like Joshua, like the Apostle John, for Pastor Jeremy and the other pastors that are represented here, that, Lord, through the Word of God, through a passion for God's people to serve You, Lord, these men in the Old Testament and even present desire to see God's people walking in truth. And so this man, Joshua, with a heart, with a a passion, Lord, he wants to share with God's people some departing words so that they may remain faithful in the land that you had given them. And Lord, we can apply that, I think, to some degree to the church today. And God, that these words that Joshua spoke are applicable to the church. It's so important, Lord, that the church remains separated from the things of the world. That the, the church, the individual and, and, and collectively as a church, that, Lord, we learn to passionately serve You, pursue You with all of our heart. So God, bless this message. Bless the preaching of Your Word. and As already has been prayed, if there is one here today that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, may through Your Word and the Spirit of Christ convict them of their need to desperately seek for salvation in Christ, in Christ alone. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of these verses, I want to share with you just some thoughts from this first part. And again, Joshua chapter 23, if you're taking notes, is a message dealing on separation. A message dealing on separation. He says to the people there, he gives them two cautions. One in the area of you guard your heart when you enter the land, when you're in the land, to be careful not to make the gods of the nations that you dwell among your gods. Remain faithful to the one true God. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says that when you come not among these nations. That phrase there, when you come. The idea there is when you are intimately involved. Don't become intimately involved with those that have a false God and be careful and cautious not to make their gods your God. These nations, he says, these that remain among you neither make mention of their name, the name of their gods. Don't even mention their names. He says, don't swear by them. Don't serve them. Do not bow yourself to them. And again, Joshua understood that if they did this, God would forsake them, if you will, turn His back upon them and say, listen, hey, Israel, you have not followed the covenant. Therefore, I'm not going to bless you as a nation And we'll look at that in just a moment. Folks, this morning, as we look at the Word of God, the church is in peril because the church has so many other things that are so much more attractive to the church than God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to be careful that we're not making things or people idols. That we're not putting anything above God as far as importance as something that we trust more than we're trusting in God. We can put our heart in our job, and I think that's great, but when we begin to trust that job, that that job is meeting our needs financially, listen, you've traded God who's going to provide for you all that you need for that job. We can even turn good things, family, into small gods. Jesus Christ said, listen, if you don't hate your mother and your father and your children and your wife, and 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 so on and so forth, in comparison towards your love towards me. You can't follow me. You can't be my disciple. So listen, folks, we've got to be careful in the church today that we aren't following things and people, that they're more important than God. Whether it's fame, whether it's football, whether it's your phone, whether it's your family, it doesn't matter. God must be First to all people within the body of Christ. My father-in-law, who was a submariner, six foot four and on a submarine. You'd think I was more fit for a submarine than he was. He was on a submarine. And they had this quote. They had this, this quote that they would use. You're in the ocean, but you don't want to be of the ocean. We are in the world, but we don't want to be of the world. Now oftentimes we talk about uh, worldliness in the sense of how we dress or the type of movies we go to and those kinds of things. Let me tell you something. One thing that we forget to address oftentimes from behind the pulpit is not only our activities can be worldly, but I think somewhat more importantly our attitudes and behaviors can be very worldly. Let me say this, I know we've got a lot of visitors here today, and if you're a visitor and you don't come to church on a regular basis, I don't want to taint your view of the body of Christ. But it is true, some of the most hateful people with some of the most ungodly and worldly attitudes are found right inside the body of Christ. Jesus Christ said this, He says, Listen, you don't show the world that you're my disciple, Because you change and you put on a suit and a tie and you come in here and you preach and teach out of the right translation. Those things don't make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. What makes you, what Jesus Christ said makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ or a picture of Jesus Christ is when you love the brethren. Now that's out of the Word of God. And Jesus Christ said this, it's not only just loving the brethren. It's easy to love you guys, I hope, We have the same ideas. We have the same father, same son. We have the same passions and desires. But Jesus Christ even took it a step further, didn't He? In Matthew chapter 5, He said, listen, you must love your enemies as well. It's easy as a believer in Jesus Christ to maybe love one another. But what about your enemy? That's what reveals if you're a true, genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we bring these worldly attitudes inside the body of Christ of hate and jealousy and envy and strife and sowing seeds of discord within the body. Those are worldly attitudes that stem from who? Satan and the flesh. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is something we need to separate ourselves from. Joshua said, listen, when you go into the land of Canaan, you're going to possess this land. You don't let the world influence what you are going to worship. We shouldn't let the flesh... And sin and the devil and the world influence how we are going to behave within the body of Christ. And we love one another with an intense and passionate love like Jesus Christ commanded us as believers to love one another. And so he cautions them them on their separation. I think about this particular passage of Scripture and it's hard not to think about David and Solomon. King David. Now, I don't believe that God was pleased at all that King David had several hundred wives. That wasn't the intent of when God said one man and one woman. I think that his practice was worldly, but one thing you can say about David. You can say this about David. He married within his faith. Now, when it comes to his son, King Solomon, it's entirely a different story. King Solomon married outside of his faith. And that brings us to the second point. Joshua is saying this. He's saying, ladies and gentlemen, you need to stay away from the gods of this world, the practices of this world. You need to separate yourself from that, but you also need to separate yourself from the girls that they're going to find inside the nations of Israel. And here's the reason. Let me read to you First Kings chapter 11 and verse 4. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. When you go back to Joshua chapter 23, and you'll read with me verses 9 and following, it says this, For the Lord has driven out from before you great nations strong, But as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He it is that fights for you, as He has promised you. Take good heed therefore to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave to the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them and go into them, and they to you. He's saying, stay away from their gods, stay away from their girls. If the nation of Israel is going to remain pure and holy and follow God, they had to separate themselves from the world, and they had to separate themselves from wicked marriages. So what's the point here? I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt, that when you look at many churches today, and we've personally experienced this, my wife and I in churches as well, that a lot of people within the body of Christ don't hold to the truth that, listen, When you marry somebody, you marry that person knowing that they are a believer, that they love the Lord more than you, and that they're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And that inside the body of Christ, when women and when uh, boys and girls, young men and young ladies begin to marry outside of their faith, you know what? Their gods become their gods. And soon enough, they will begin to pull away from the church. My wife used this illustration one time. If I was here and I was trying to help somebody come up on the stage and I were to grab their hand to help them up, it's easier for them to pull me down than it is for me to pull them up. The relationships that you're in are more than likely, if they do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, going to pull you down to their level than you to yours. Young lady, several years ago in one of our ministries, uh, I began to get word that she was interested in a boy or a man, I should say. She had previously been married, divorced. He had been previously married and divorced. Hers, and we don't have to get time to get into this, hers, biblical, because her husband had committed adultery. He would not reconcile with her. He walked away. The opposite for his marriage. These two begin uh, a relationship. I noticed that they were not coming to us for counseling, and that's fine. You don't have to come to the pastor for counseling. I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do, but if you've got another counselor you feel comfortable with, that's fine. But usually when I begin to see somebody doing something behind the scenes, red flags begin to go up and say, hey, there's something wrong here. So I called her up one day, and I said, ma'am, I understand that you're interested in another man. I have to ask you some questions. First question I had for her was, do you know his testimony? Do you know that if he's saved, do you know that he's serving the Lord? Does he love Jesus more than he loves you? And her answer to me was, I don't know. Well, you're a Christian woman. Wouldn't you want to find out the man that you're going to marry, that he loves Jesus or not? My second question was this, what's the nature of his divorce? I don't know. Well, he might not be able to be remarried. You've got to know these kinds of things. We've got a lot of young people in the church here this morning. Let me say this. Let me take it from a negative perspective, if you will. You want to ruin your life? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, marry somebody that's unsaved. Heartache, pain, shame... And it's going to end in divorce. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you want to pursue Jesus Christ and the person that you're interested in, it's always going to end in heartache and shame and pain. We've witnessed it over and over and over again. I don't have to tell you that that is not a door. That's a wall. Therefore, you don't have to try to walk through it to find out if it's a door or not. I can tell you from a pastorly perspective. You can trust us. You can trust the pastors in this congregation. You marry somebody that doesn't love Jesus Christ more than you, Okay, it's going to hurt. Folks, if a congregation is ever going to continue to move forward and progress for Jesus Christ, we must separate ourselves from the gods of this world and from literally the people of this world. And what I'm talking about, not entering into intimate relationships with people because they will tear you down and it will gut a church because those families, had they been nurtured by Jesus Christ, would begin having children who love Jesus Christ and the church continues to grow and flourish right from within the body of Christ. So be careful, as Joshua says, be careful. Be careful to keep yourself away from the gods of this world and from the girls of this world. We see two cautions, but then we see three commands. And these three commands, if followed, will keep your heart and your mind and your focus for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world that we are in. Look at verse 6 with me. Here's a command. He says, Be you therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses that you turn not aside therefore to the right hand or to the left. And then he tells them, hey, don't go after their gods. When you keep the law of God within your heart, you will continue to follow the Lord. We know, you guys have experienced it. Many of you have been in Christ for a long time. When you're not in the Word of God, it's so easy to get distracted from the things of this world. Joshua is saying, keep the law of Moses. Understand the commands of God. You want to strive as a church, and a church that's a light in this community. Every individual within the body of Christ to stay focused and fit for God must stay in the Word of God. The second command is found in verse 8. He says, but cleave to the Lord your God as you have done this day. You don't want to go uh, and begin to worship false gods. You don't want to lose your sight of the Lord in your walk with Jesus Christ. Then stick to God like glue. Cleave to Him. It's the same word that is uh, used uh, to cleave within a marriage relationship. We stick together. Stick together. Cleave to the Lord. Thirdly, found in verse 11, cherish the Lord. It says, Take good heed, therefore, to yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Then he goes on to say in verse 12, Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave to the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them, and they to you know for certainly that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. So here it is. Two cautions. Okay, Be careful your relationships on earth. Be careful of what you're focusing on that it doesn't distract you from your relationship with God. Three commands, those commands that keep us on the straight and narrow. For church, this is a homecoming. People are here. You want to stay on the straight and narrow with God. Okay. Number one, keep the law. Keep your nose in the law, the Word of God. Number two, cleave to the Lord. And number three, cherish the Lord. Cherish the Lord and you will not... You will not begin to depart. I don't, don't necessarily like to use this word all the time. But you, if you stay close to God, stay close to His Word, love the Lord, will not backslide upon the Lord and go astray and go out into the world and do things that God is not approving of. So two cautions, three commands, and then we see the consequences in verses 15 and 16. It says this, Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things. And He have destroyed you from off this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which He has given to you, Remember I said, Israel is not the church and church is not Israel. We are not in this covenant as the church, as the age of grace. But I will tell you, when you begin to pursue relationships that God does not want you to pursue, and when you begin to serve uh, other gods in this world, namely attitudes and those kinds of things, you can, you know, what does it say? The end times will be what? Lovers of our own self. One of the biggest idols that we have is ourself. We put ourselves first. When you do that, listen, guaranteed. God will begin to chasten you if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So while we don't have the covenant, I do have the guarantee according to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, And when you're not loving God with all your heart, when you're not serving God the way that you are, and you're living in sin, God has no other choice but to discipline you as sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Joshua Joshua has a message for the people of Israel. He wants them to go and conquer the land of Israel, and he wants them to remain in Israel and, or Canaan. And the only way that that's ever going to happen is if they choose and put God first and remain in relationships that are pure and holy. The second message is found in Joshua chapter 24. And I'll start reading there. In verse 1 it says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took... Listen, listen to what God has done for the people of Israel. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and led him throughout the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. And I gave to Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to all that... I did among them, and afterwards I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Now skip with me to verse 11. And you went over Jordan and came to Jericho, and men of Jericho fought against you. Verse 12, I sent the hornet before you and drove them out before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with the sword, nor with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, and with the vineyards and the olive yards which you planted not do you eat." The point of what Joshua is trying to get here is found in verse 14. He says in verse 14, Now therefore. Anytime you're in the Bible, you're reading scripture, and it says, Now therefore, you have to ask the question, Why is it therefore? And it's because of the previous verses. What is Joshua doing? He's telling Israel, I want you to look in the past, I want you to see how God dealt with you. I want you to see how God has dealt with you. And as they were looking in the past, God was dealing with them. At least we can break those verses up into three points. Number one, God brought them out of spiritual poverty. Look at what it said in the latter part of verse 2. And the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Where did Abraham come out of? Paganism. His father was a pagan. His father worshipped idols. And what does that lead a person to when you fall, follow after something that is not God the Father? It leads you to de- death. It leads you to hell. It leads you to uh, damnation is what it leads you. And God is saying, look what I did for you. I brought your father Abraham out of paganism. And then he goes on to say in verses 4 through 7, God brought them out of slavery. And then in verses 8 through 13, it says that God brought them the victory. You want to serve God passionately? You want to serve God with all of your heart? Joshua is saying the point is this. Go back and reflect and remember what God has done for you. Let's do that for just a moment. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Look at verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, or idolaters, or adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor the abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand that people that are outside of the saving understanding and grace of Jesus Christ, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he begins to list all kinds of acts of debauchery and wickedness. And he says, such were some of you. Such were some of you. He gives us basically a three-point outline here. He says, number one, we were a people that were damned to hell. Before you came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were on your way to hell like a speeding bullet. Talking about speeding bullets, let me share a thought with you real quick. I thank God for His mercy and grace towards me. Okay, I could ask for a show of hands this morning to say, how many of us here today have done some really stupid things in life? And hopefully every one of us, Jeremy raised his hand, um, <laughs> would raise our hand because we have. I remember as a kid, my dad used to love watching westerns. And uh, he owned a bar and a steakhouse. And uh, there was a TV set in there and I was sitting there one day watching TV and it was a western. As some young kid got kidnapped by a bunch of cowboys and they made him uh, fix meals and food and all kinds of things for him. And he was tired of this life. So he took a box of bullets. Now listen, we've got some boys in here. That one's passed out and that's good because he don't need to hear this. Okay. (laughs) But uh, we've got, don't do what I did. Okay. Let me put that little asterisk right there. Okay. So this young boy decided in order for him to escape and and get out of the, the hands of these cowboys, he took a box of shells and threw them in a fire and then ran behind a little wagon. And then once the shells began to explode, boom, 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 he ran off and he escaped. That's cool. I wonder if that really works. Now, for some reason, my mom and dad thought it was good for me to be in charge of burning the boxes at the steakhouse. Had a big old burn barrel. You know what I used to do? kind of creepy. Aren't you glad I got saved after I tell you this story? <laughs> I used to take the boxes and I'd set them up like a little city, then I'd burn them down, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm so glad I got saved. <laughs> so I set the, the boxes up, started burning down the city. I had gone back, my dad was a hunter and, and uh, he also liked to do trap, and I uh, went back there and I, I went behind and, and got a, a little 22 shell a 12 gauge and a 270. I guess a little variety, right? A little variety just to see what would happen. And I threw them in there and the burn barrel was about yay tall. I was probably about yay tall. And it was huge, just a big burn barrel. And I put my hands on the edge of that thing just to see what would happen. This is a great idea, right? Okay, remember I said, you know, sometimes we do things stupid. This is one of those. And I'm waiting. I don't know how long I was there, all of a sudden I hear a pop. I know what it was. it was a 22, okay? Because it was the least pop that's going to, you know happen. I don't know if it was a shell, I don't know if it was the casing, but something split my hair. Whoo, right there. I'm going to tell you something right now. I was scared. OK? What happened on that Western is true. You don't have to do this to find out. I ran as fast as I could back inside. The bar. I'm running. And all of a sudden, 12 gauge, boom! I look behind me. I mean, we're in Nebraska. We're in Nebraska. So everything's dry. Sagebrush, you know, just like old westerns, you know, starts catching on fire. I run, this, I'm about to get to the door, 270, boom, like this. I'm like, oh my goodness. I run inside. Dad, 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 there's fire outside. There's fire. Run outside. Dad comes outside. He stomps it out. Mark, how many times have I told you not to put aerosol cans in the fire? Won't do it again, Dad. I was like, wow. I was like, man, I'm so glad that he was thinking that way that day. I think back on that in my life. What if that 22 shell, or what if that 270 shell had been two or three inches lower? Folks, I wouldn't be here today, number one, and I wouldn't have any hope because I was without Jesus Christ. I go back and I remember God's protection just like He protected the people of Israel. Just like He provided for the people of Israel. His providential hand was upon the people of Israel. We go back, we remember what God has done for us. Another stupid story. Greg Zebro. Now I'm horrible at names, so if you happen to stay in this brain, There's a reason for it, and typically it's not a good reason. Right, Jeremy? (laughs) Pastor Jeremy? Uh, Typically it's not a good reason. Typically we have done something to get ourselves in trouble. His dad liked to reload shells. See a big old barrel of gunpowder sitting down in their basement. That's a lot of fun when there's no parents around. We found a pipe. We loaded that thing. We crimped it off. There was a hole dug in the backyard. This is, we're at his house, by the way, so this is all good. And uh, we ignited that thing. We threw it down in the hole. I can't remember how deep it was. Put a log on top of it and ran behind a barricade. No, actually, it was a glass door. <laughs> and we're standing there at the sliding glass door. We're ready for this pipe bomb to go off. Boom! The log goes up in the air. and I, I mean, I could have counted a minute before that thing hit the top of the roof of the house. But what would have happened? What would have happened if that thing had exploded and, you know, we're just filled with glass? I mean, again, I think about God's physical saving grace towards me. I could give you all kinds of stories, but I won't for the sake of time. I thank God for the past. I thank God when I go back January 1st, 1994, 1215 midnight, I came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I thank God for the fact that God had led men and women to pray for me, to give me the Word of God and to share that Word with me. I didn't understand salvation at that time. I understood that, hey, if I could get to heaven, I was going to get there, I was going to tell God, I'm here for this, 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 and this reason. Listen, you can't work. You can't out-undo all of the sin that you have committed. You owe a debt to God. You and I owed a debt to God. We can't possibly pay off. Until one day it understood, it made sense to me, that through the bloodshed and the payment of Jesus Christ and Him alone could I have eternal life. And January 1st, 1215 midnight, 1994, I bowed my head to God and said, God, please save me from my sin. And I go back to those times and remember how good God was to me. And you know that will do for you? It'll do for you what Joshua is telling the people of Israel it would do for them. He gives them the history of Israel in verses 1 through 13, where you see that they were brought out of spiritual poverty. They were brought out of slavery and that God gave them the victory. He says, now therefore, what? When you think about the past, when you remember the good things that God has done for you, what, number one, reverence the Lord. Reverence the Lord. He says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. The word fear there simply means uh, before the Lord. It just um, The word fear just simply means to reverence, to honor, and to have awe of. You and I have got to go back and remember to have reverence for God. We so quickly, so quickly forget the good things that God has done for us. And we forget that we, as God's people, are supposed to reverence the Lord and have fear for Him. Listen to what it says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Fear God. One author said it like this. He said, The fear of the Lord is the basis for our walking in His ways, serving Him, and yes, even loving Him. Joshua says, Look in the past of what God has done for you. It wasn't the dumb, idle, uh, blind gods of this world that did anything for you. It was the living God. It was the living God. Therefore, reverence him. Secondly, if we're going to serve God as Joshua wants the people of Israel to serve him, we must serve him in realness. Look at verse 14 with me. And therefore, fear the Lord and serve him, what? In sincerity and in truth. I would take you there, but for the sake of time, let me just share with you what happened in the book of Malachi. God's people have come back out of uh, slavery and bondage. They're back in the nation. And you know what the priests are doing in chapter 1? They're sacrificing animals that are blind, that are sick, that are lame, and they're looking at serving God as boredom and drudgery. And God is saying to the prophets, Stop! Serve me in sincerity and truth. I don't know if you're like that today, You come into this service, you're like, well, I'm just going to go to church and just check off a box. We need to come and worship God in sincerity and truth. And we remember that by going back to the past and seeing what God has done for us. Look at verse 14 again with me. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. And he says, thirdly, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve the Lord. So what he's saying to them is to reverence God, serve God in realness, thirdly, remove all of the gods in your life. And then finally, his fourth thought for us here this morning is this. We must resolve to pursue the Lord. When you look at the past, reverence God, let that reverence, you know, turn to reverence for him. Let there be realness in your service. Remove anything that blocks your ability to be able to serve God, but then resolve to serve the Lord. Look at verse 15, one of my favorite passages in the Word of God. It came, And if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you look at the past and you remember that you were a sinner in need of salvation and God graciously saved you, brought you out of paganism and wickedness and ungodliness and a life that was heading to hell, remember to reserve or to reverence God and to resolve to serve the Lord with all your heart and all your mind. And all your soul. I think there's something for us men and fathers here today that we need to remember. Look at Joshua. Look at the leadership that he's taking. He says this, and as for me and my house. Men, we have a real crisis in the church today. It's a lack of spiritual leadership. Men, you first of all need to resolve to serve God and then lead by example your wife and your children to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Three thoughts I'll finish this morning. Joshua resolved to serve the living God regardless of the cultural climate and what others did around him. He was surrounded by pagans. It even suggests in verse 15 well, you're going to serve this God or that God, but for me, I'm going to choose to serve the real God. Even people in his own community, perhaps, were serving false gods. Joshua resolved to serve the Lord regardless of the cultural climate. We know in America today that there is a climate against Christianity. We know that. It's in our schools, it's in our courthouses, it's in our public places and arena, but you, as God's people, must resolve to serve the Lord regardless of what's going around you culturally. Secondly, Joshua resolved to serve the Lord was Joshua's resolve to serve the Lord was based on conviction and not the heat of the moment. It feels good to come to homecoming and maybe get a good message and I'm going to resolve. I'm going to go home and we're going to have devotions and we're going to read God's Word and we're going to do the right thing. And within one week, you're no longer doing it again. Had a couple in one of our churches. They went to a a Gaither concert and that's fine, not for me. That's for them. Okay. I'd rather go to Casting Crowns, but they went to Gaither. And uh, the Gaither said, hey man, when you get home, you need to get back into church. And so they came back to church my man, the Gaithers told us we needed to get back into church. lasted one week. Gaithers didn't tell you to do that. God did. And it's not the heat of the moment. It's a conviction to say, God, I'm going to choose this day to serve you. The third thought that we see in the life of Joshua is this. Or in this verse it says, As the head of his home, Joshua resolved to serve the Lord as an example for all men and for his family to see. Men, I challenge you to resolve to serve the Lord the way that you ought, the way that it is pleasing unto God. And you do that because you go back and remember how depraved you were and what God took you out of and gave you eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So men, when you step out of this place as the head of your home before God, And maybe even in this service, maybe you need to resolve once again to serve God with all of your heart. Joshua was a man that loved the Lord, and he loved God's people. And he wanted to see God's people enter into the promised land and remain there. And he told them, this is how it's going to happen, people. You separate yourself from the world, and you learn to serve God with sincerity and truth. And you will hold the promised land. Church, same truth, applies to us today. we got to stay out of the world and we got to learn to serve God with sincerity and truth all over again, resolving to serve Him. Now maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Throughout this message, you've seen the gospel, you've heard the gospel shared throughout this message. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You are out of fellowship with God. Maybe today, this morning, you need to come and, number one, receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And number two, maybe you need to, this morning, once again, resolve to serve God. Joshua and his people had a homecoming, didn't they? God had distributed the land to them. And they were going to hold it and they were going to serve God with all their hearts as long as they separated themselves from the world and served God. We have a homecoming today. Praise God. It's not about Pastor Jeremy. It's not about Pastor Hightower. It's about what God has done in this ministry, in this church. And if you're going to serve God, and this church is going to be a light to this community, you've got to separate yourself from the world and serve God with sincerity and truth. And you're only going to do that when you resolve to serve the Lord with all your heart and you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll close in prayer, and then Pastor Jeremy, you come. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this time, this gathering together. I pray, Lord, that if there is one here today that does not have that personal relationship with you, God, that they would understand that they are a sinner, that they are wicked, that they have violated your law. And as a result, as a holy and just God, Lord, you cannot let sin enter into heaven. And so therefore, there is a just payment. But God is a merciful a merciful God, a merciful judge. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die in their place that they may have eternal life through Jesus Christ and Him alone. I pray that if there is a sinner today that they would cry out to Jesus in saving faith, understanding what He said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I pray, dear God, that they would understand that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. Our Lord, maybe we've got a lot of people in this church today that are not serving with a good heart, a faithful heart Lord, I pray that you would remind them what you have done for them in the past how you brought them out of sin, how that you gave them victory and you continue to give them victory and God as a result I pray that they'll bring reverence I pray God that they would bring uh, their relationship back to you and that this morning that they would resolve to serve Jesus Christ with all their heart, their mind and their soul. Lord work through this service, work through this time together and we'll be mindful to give you all the praise and all the glory and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. As Daniel
0: continues to play, we've been challenged with the word of God. How are you going to respond this morning? God's left this with you. If you found this message to be evil, to be wrong, choose that. If you see and hear the Spirit of truth speaking through the power of the Word of God and is convicting you that this is right, then you need to choose this day whom you will serve. The true and living God loves us enough that He sent His one and only Son and whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a message of hope, grace. But he leaves that message with you. And you do with Christ what you see fit to do. But no choices have consequences. And in this case, the consequence is eternity. We want to give you a response, an opportunity to respond to the good news of hope. Christ does love you and he stands waiting for you to come home to him he wants to forgive you of every sin you and i have ever thought or committed he wants to give you his righteousness that doesn't mean we're perfect not in this world yes we're clothed in his righteousness which is all the perfection we need and when we stand in his presence one day we stand justified in perfection, because of the righteousness of Christ that's provided to our account. But you can receive that or you can reject that. And so, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is calling to you to turn in repentance, come to Him, and He makes you a promise anyone who comes to me, I will in no way cast them out just by simple faith today, cry out in your heart, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I know I have not lived up to your standards, nor could I, but I need your grace, I need your mercy, I need your forgiveness, and today I surrender my life to you and I exchange my life of sin for your life of righteousness found only in Christ. Maybe you're here again, as Pastor Mark said. You're a believer. You've strayed. You're not at the place of resolve and commitment that you once were. Do you remember what he's done for you? Do you remember the sin that he's forgiven? He wants you to come home like a prodigal son. Lord, forgive me. I've strayed want to serve you again I choose this day you Lord let's pray father you know the heart of every listener and you know what our need is thank you for the word of God that's been preached in the power of God and so Lord help us to respond how you desire you said you're not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance if you're in that first category and you don't know Christ Repent, turn from your sin, and turn to the Savior. And by faith, receive Christ today. Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. But I believe Christ has paid my penalty. And by faith, I receive the grace you offer me. His word says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. Just call on him in this moment. Give your life to Jesus Christ and receive his by faith. If you've done that in this moment, I want to pray even now, Lord, help them to see uh, the need for counsel and follow-up. I pray you'll make it known to someone. And Father, I do pray again for us as believers. Help us to follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision, uh, I wanna uh, have you talk with Pastor Mark. Let him know today that God used his word to draw you. Um, You wanna know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. What does it mean to put your faith and trust in who Christ is, his death, his burial, and resurrection? See myself, Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean, Pastor Mark, uh, anyone uh, part of this family, just let them know. Uh, The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so uh, don't be ashamed of uh, that heart surrender today if that was you, if God drew you to himself today and you've by faith made that decision to receive Christ.